chapter twenty seven of the garys and their friends by frank webb this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter twenty seven sudbury we must now admit our readers to a consultation that is progressing between mr balch and mr walters respecting the future of the two gary children they no doubt entered upon the conference with the warmest and most earnest desire of promoting the children's happiness but unfortunately their decision failed to produce the wished-for result i scarcely thought you would have succeeded so well with him said walters he is such an inveterate scoundrel depend upon it nothing but the fear of the exposure resulting from a legal investigation would ever have induced that scamp to let twelve thousand dollars escape from his clutches i'm glad you have secured that much when we add it to the eight thousand already in my possession it will place them in very comfortable circumstances even if they never get any more i think we have done very well rejoined mr balch we were as much in his power as he was in ours not in the same way however a legal investigation no matter how damaging it might have been to his reputation would not have placed us in possession of the property or invalidated his claim as heir i think on the whole we may as well be satisfied and trust in providence for the future so now then we will resume our discussion of that matter we had under consideration the other day i cannot but think that my plan is best adapted to secure the boy's happiness i'm sorry i cannot agree with you mr balch i've tried to view your plan in the most favourable light yet i cannot rid myself of a presentiment that it will result in the ultimate discovery of his peculiar position and that most probably at some time when his happiness is dependent upon its concealment an undetected forger who is in constant fear of being apprehended is happy in comparison with that coloured man who attempts in this country to hold a place in the society of whites by concealing his origin he must live in constant fear of exposure this dread will embitter every enjoyment and make him the most miserable of men you must admit rejoined mr balch that i have their welfare at heart i have thought the matter over and over and cannot for the life of me feel the weight of your objections the children are peculiarly situated everything seems to favour my views their mother the only relative they had whose african origin was distinguishable is dead and both of them are so exceedingly fair that it would never enter the brain of any one that they were connected with coloured people by ties of blood clarence is old enough to know the importance of concealing the fact and emily might be kept with us until her prudence also might be relied upon you must acknowledge that as white persons they will be better off i admit answered mr walters that in our land of liberty it is of incalculable advantage to be white that is beyond dispute and no one is more painfully aware of it than i often i have heard men of colour say they would not be white if they could had no desire to change their complexions 
i've written some down fools others liars why continued he with a sneering expression of countenance it is everything to be white one feels that at every turn in our boasted free country where all men are upon an equality when i look around me and see what i have made myself in spite of circumstances and think what i might have been with the same heart and brain beneath a fairer skin i am almost tempted to curse the destiny that made me what i am time after time when scraping toiling saving i have asked myself to what purpose is it all perhaps that in the future white men may point out and call me sneeringly a nigger millionaire or condescend to borrow money of me ah often when some negro hating white man has been forced to ask a loan at my hands i thought of shylock and his pound of flesh and ceased to wonder at him there's no doubt my dear sir but what i fully appreciate the advantage of being white yet with all i've endured and yet endure from day to day i esteem myself happy in comparison with that man who mingling in the society of whites is at the same time aware that he has african blood in his veins and is liable at any moment to be ignominiously hurled from his position by the discovery of his origin he is never safe i've known instances where parties have gone on for years and years undetected but some untoward circumstance brings them out at last and down they fall for ever walters my dear fellow you will persist in looking upon his being discovered as a thing of course i see no reason for the anticipation of any such result i don't see how he is to be detected it may never occur and do you feel justified in consigning them to a position which you know by painful experience to be one of the most disagreeable that can be endured ought we not to aid their escape from it if we can mr walters stood reflectively for some moments and then exclaimed i make no farther objection i would not have the boy say to me hereafter but for your persisting in identifying me with a degraded people i might have been better and happier than i am however i cannot but feel that concealments of this kind are productive of more misery than comfort we all agree to differ about that walters and now having your consent i shall not hesitate to proceed in the matter with full reliance that the future will amply justify my choice well well as i said before i will offer no further objection now let me hear the details of your plan i have written answered mr balch to mr eustace a friend of mine living at sudbury where there is a large preparatory school for boys at his house i propose placing clarence mr eustace is a most discreet man and a person of liberal sentiments i feel that i can confide everything to him without the least fear of his ever divulging a breath of it he is a gentleman in the fullest sense of the term and at his house the boy will have the advantage of good society and will associate with the best people of the place has he a family asked mr walters he is a widower answered mr balch a maiden sister of his wife's presides over his establishment she will be kind to clarence i am confident she has a motherly soft heart and is remarkably fond of children i have not the least doubt but that he will be very happy and comfortable there i think it very fortunate walters he continued that he has so few coloured acquaintances no boyish intimacies to break up and it will be as well to send them away before 
he has an opportunity of forming them besides being here where everything will be so constantly reviving the remembrance of his recent loss he may grow melancholy and stupid i have several times noticed his reserve so unusual in a child his dreadful loss and the horrors that attended it have made a deep impression stupefied him to a certain extent i think well well we will get him off and once away at school and surrounded by lively boys this dullness will soon wear off the gentleman having fully determined upon his being sent it was proposed to bring him in immediately and talk to him relative to it he was accordingly sent for and came into the room placing himself beside the chair of mr walters clarence had altered very much since the death of his parents his face had grown thin and pale and he was much taller than when he came to philadelphia a shade of melancholy had overspread his face there was now in his eyes that expression of intense sadness that characterized his mother's you sent for me he remarked inquiringly to mr walters yes my boy he rejoined we sent for you to have a little talk about school would you like to go to school again oh yes answered clarence his face lighting up with pleasure i should like it of all things it would be much better than staying at home all day doing nothing the days are so long concluded he with a sigh ah we will soon remedy that rejoined mr balch when you go to sudbury sudbury repeated clarence with surprise where is that i thought you meant to go to school here oh no my dear said mr balch i don't know of any good school here such as you would like we wish to send you to a place where you will enjoy yourself finely where you will have a number of boys for companions in your studies and pleasures and is them going with me he asked oh no that is not possible it is a school for boys exclusively you can't take your sister there rejoined mr walters then i don't want to go said clarence decidedly i don't want to go where i can't take em with me mr balch exchanged glances with mr walters and looked quite perplexed at this new opposition to his scheme nothing daunted however by this difficulty he by dint of much talking and persuasion brought clarence to look upon the plan with favour and to consent reluctantly to go without his sister but the most delicate part of the whole business was yet to come they must impress upon the child the necessity of concealing the fact that he was of african origin neither seemed to know how to approach the subject clarence however involuntarily made an opening for them by inquiring if emily was to go to miss jordan's school again no my dear answered mr balch miss jordan won't permit her to attend school there why asked clarence because she is a colored child rejoined mr balch now clarence he continued you are old enough i presume to know the difference that exists between the privileges and advantages enjoyed by the whites and those that are at the command of the colored people white boys can go to better schools and they can enter college and become professional men lawyers doctors etc or they may be merchants in fact they can be anything they please colored people can enjoy none of these advantages they are shut out from them entirely now which of the two would you rather be colored or white i should much rather be white of course answered clarence but i am colored and can't help myself said he innocently but my child we are going to send you where it is not known that you are colored and you must never never tell it because if it became known you would be expelled from the school as you were from miss jordan's 
i didn't know we were expelled rejoined clarence i know she sent us home but i could not understand what it was for i'm afraid they will send me from the other school won't they know i am colored no my child i don't think they will discover it unless you should be foolish enough to tell it yourself in which case both mr walters and myself would be very much grieved but suppose someone should ask me suggested clarence no one will ever ask you such a question said mr balch impatiently all you have to do is to be silent yourself on the subject should any of your schoolmates ever make inquiries respecting your parents all you have to answer is they were from georgia and you are an orphan clarence's eyes began to moisten as mr balch spoke of his parents and after a few moments he asked with some hesitation am i never to speak of mother i love to talk of mother yes my dear of course you can talk of your mother answered mr balch with great embarrassment only you know my child you need not enter into particulars as regards her appearance that is you ah need not say she was a colored woman you must not say that you understand yes sir answered clarence very well then bear that in mind you must know clarence continued he that this concealment is necessary for your welfare or we would not require it and you must let me impress upon you that it is requisite that you attend strictly to our directions mr walters remained silent during most of this conversation he felt a repugnance to force upon the child a concealment the beneficial results of which were the reverse of obvious so he merely gave clarence some useful advice respecting his general conduct and then permitted him to leave the room the morning fixed upon for their departure for sudbury turned out to be cold and cheerless and clarence felt very gloomy as he sat beside his sister at their early breakfast of which he was not able to eat a morsel do eat something clary said she coaxingly only look what nice buckwheat cakes these are cook got up ever so early on purpose to bake them for you no sis he replied i can't eat i feel so miserable everything chokes me well eat a biscuit then she continued as she buttered it and laid it on his plate do eat it now more to please her than from a desire to eat he forced down a few mouthfuls of it and drank a little tea and laying his arm round her neck he said em you must try hard to learn to write soon so that i may hear from you at least once a week oh i shall soon know how i'm in g's and h's now aunt esther she says i may call her aunt esther teaches me every day ain't that getting on nicely oh yes you learn very fast said esther encouragingly as she completed the pile of sandwiches she was preparing for the young traveller then turning to look at the timepiece on the mantel she exclaimed quarter to seven how time flies mr balch will soon be here you must be already clarence so as not to keep him waiting a moment clarence arose from his scarcely tasted meal began slowly to put on his overcoat and make himself ready for the journey em tied on the warm woolen neck comforter kissing him on each cheek as she did so and whilst they were thus engaged mr balch drove up to the door charlie who had come down to see him off tried with his mouth full of buckwheat cake to say something consolatory and gave it as his experience that a fellow soon got over that sort of thing that separations must occur sometimes etc and on the whole endeavoured to talk in a very manly and philosophical strain but his precepts and practice proved to be at other variance for when the moment of separation really came and he saw the tearful embrace of em and her brother 
he caught the infection of grief and cried as heartily as the best of them there was but little time however to spare for leave-takings and the young traveller and his guardian were soon whirling over the road towards new york by a singular chance clarence found himself in the same car in which he had formerly rode when they were on their way to philadelphia he recognized it by some peculiar paintings on the panel of the door and the ornamental border of the ceiling this brought back a tide of memories and he began contrasting that journey with the present opposite was the seat on which his parents had sat in the bloom of health and elate with joyous anticipations he remembered oh so well his father's pleasant smile his mother's soft and gentle voice both now were gone death had made rigid that smiling face her soft voice was hushed for ever and the cold snow was resting on their bosoms in the little churchyard miles away truly the contrast between now and then was extremely saddening and the child bowed his head upon the seat and sobbed in bitter grief what is the matter asked mr balsh not crying again i hope i thought you were going to be a man and that we were not to have any more tears come continued he patting him encouragingly on the back cheer up you are going to a delightful place where you will find a number of agreeable playmates and have a deal of fun and enjoy yourself amazingly but it won't be home replied clarence true replied mr balch a little touched it won't seem so at first but you'll soon like it i'll guarantee that clarence was not permitted to indulge his grief to any great extent for mr balch soon succeeded in interesting him in the various objects that they passed on the way on the evening of the next day they arrived at their destination and clarence alighted from the cars cold fatigued and spiritless there had been a heavy fall of snow a few days previous and the town of sudbury which was built upon the hillside shone white and sparkling in the clear winter moonlight it was the first time that clarence had ever seen the ground covered with snow and he could not restrain his admiration at the novel spectacle it presented to him oh look oh do look mr balch he exclaimed how beautifully white it looks it seems as if the town was built of salt it was indeed a pretty sight near them stood a clump of fantastic-shaped trees their gnarled limbs covered with snow and brilliant with the countless icicles that glistened like precious stones in the bright light that was reflected upon them from the windows of the station a little farther on between them and the town flowed a small stream the waters of which were dimpling and sparkling in the moonlight beside its banks arose stately cotton mills and from their many windows hundreds of lights were shining behind them tier above tier were the houses of the town and crowning the hill was the academy with its great dome gleaming on its top like a silver cap upon a mountain of snow the merry sleigh-bells and the crisp tramp of the horses upon the frozen ground were all calculated to make a striking impression on one beholding such a scene for the first time clarence followed mr balch into the sleigh delighted and bewildered with the surrounding objects the driver whipped up his horses they clattered over the bridge dashed swiftly through the town and in a very short period arrived at the dwelling of mr eustace the horses had scarcely stopped when the door flew open and a stream of light from the hall shone down the pathway to the gate mr eustace came out on the step to welcome them after greeting mr balch warmly he took clarence by the hand and led him into the room where his sister was sitting here is our little friend said he to her as she arose and approached them try and get him warm ada his hands are like ice miss ada bell welcomed clarence in the most affectionate manner 
assisted him to remove his coat unfastened his woollen necktie and smoothed down his glossy black hair then warming a napkin she wrapped it round his benumbed hands and held them in her own until the circulation was restored and they were supple and comfortable again miss adabel appeared to be about thirty-five she had good regular features hazel eyes and long chestnut curls a mouth with the sweetest expression and a voice so winning and affectionate in its tone that it went straight to the hearts of all that listened to its music had you a pleasant journey she asked it was rather cold answered clarence and i am not accustomed to frosty weather and did you leave all your friends well she continued as she chafed his hands quite well i thank you he replied i hear you have a little sister were you not sorry to leave her behind this question called up the tearful face of little em and her last embrace he could not answer he only raised his mournful dark eyes to the face of miss ada and as he looked at her they grew moist and a tear sparkled on his long lashes miss ada felt that she had touched a tender cord so she stooped down and kissed his forehead remarking you have a good face clarence and no doubt an equally good heart we shall get on charmingly together i know those kind words won the orphan's heart and from that day forth clarence loved her tea was soon brought upon the table and they all earnestly engaged in the discussion of the various refreshments that miss ada's well-stocked larder afforded everything was so fresh and nicely flavoured that both the travellers ate very heartily then being much fatigued with their two days journey they seized an early opportunity to retire here we leave clarence for many years the boy will have become a man ere we reintroduce him until then we bid him adieu End of chapter twenty seven